You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Today on Yap, we're sharing my interview from the Grow Your Podcast Summit, which took place in early July and included 33 industry experts who spoke on how to grow, monetize, and scale your podcast. I was interviewed by Deidre Tashin, the founder of CapShow, which is an AI-powered software that helps you write copy and promote your podcast. My topic for this session was advertising for your podcast, the how-to for LinkedIn and podcast player ads. We chat about my come-up story and how I used LinkedIn, as well as other creative strategies to grow the Young and Profiting podcast from 3,000 downloads a month to 500,000 downloads a month. I give tons of actionable advice for content and publishing strategies, and I share tips that you can start using today to grow both your social following and promote your podcast. Folks, they don't call me the podcast princess for no good reason. I know my stuff, and I let you in on all my secrets in this episode. So all you podcasters and wannabe podcasters, be sure to crank up that volume and get your notebooks out because I dropped tons of knowledge bombs in this conversation. And before we get started, I did want to ask that if you find any value from this episode, if you're an up and coming podcaster and you learn something new, the best way to repay me and thank me for giving away my secrets for free is to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. So go ahead, take a couple minutes after the interview, drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you guys have other social media and podcasting advice, you can always join my text community just text YAP, Y-A-P to 28046 and you'll be in the community. You can ask me anything and I check those messages every single night. All right, so without further ado, here's my appearance on the Grow Your Podcast Summit. Hello, everyone. This is the Grow My Podcast Summit and I have Hala Taha with you. Now, get this, Hala is the host of Young and Profiting Podcast and this podcast is a top 50 podcast with over 4 million downloads. Oh my gosh. And she's also the CEO of Yap Media. It's a side hustle that was turned into a seven-figure business. Wow. That's amazing. Welcome to the Summit, Hala. Thank you, Deidre. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. I'm so pumped because I know that your growth trajectory is just such an inspiration for all of our audience on this summit. So let's start though with your podcast and your journey, getting it to this point. Yeah. So um, I started my career at Hot 97. It was a radio station. I started my career when I was just in college. I interned at the radio station for three years, learned everything about production. I first honed my on-air chops, recording commercials. 
Um, after the station, I became a blogger. I had a number one hip hop and entertainment blog site called the Sorority of Hip Hop. And I led 50 female bloggers. We had online radio shows on the side. It was the precursor of podcasts. Um, that didn't really pan out. I almost got a show on MTV twice. Pretty what? devastated. <laughs> got rejected a bunch of times. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to hang my hat up. Forget about the entertainment industry. I'm obviously not going to make it. You know, I didn't get my dream job at Hot and A7. I then didn't get the show on MTV after this like big website that I had. And I like just thought I'd never get back on a mic. But four years after being in corporate marketing, I got the itch again and I started Young and Profiting Podcast. And at that point, I had a lot of skills under my belt to do it right this time. Uh, podcasts were, you know, more mainstream. They were a thing. I, I knew enough to get one out the door and do it really well. And here we are, four years later, number one podcast across all apps. I've interviewed people like Deepak Chopra, Matthew McConaughey, have a team of 60 running a podcast network and a social media and podcast agency and making, you know, seven figures a year. So it's been amazing <laughs> to say wow. the least. Yeah. So basically not landing those those MTV roles really did you a favor. <laughs> yeah. In the end, you know, rejection is redirection, that famous saying. It's so true. I'm so thankful for all the no's that I got. I was rejected over and over and over again. It wasn't until I started my own thing that things really took off. And this isn't the this isn't quite what I wanted to ask you on this summit, but I'm just so intrigued. Like, how did you pick yourself back up? Because I think this is entrepreneurship, right? Like you do get rejected over and over and over again. So what what did you do? How did you, yeah, as I said, pick yourself back up and just keep going? Whenever something bad happens to me and I don't get something that I feel like I truly deserved and I'm devastated, I tend to channel my energy into learning something new. That's what I always do. So when I, I actually got fired from Hot 97 after working for there for free for three years and I got fired for like a really stupid reason, it was really unfair. I was devastated, but I was just devastated for a couple of days by, you know, I got fired on a Thursday. By Sunday, I was figuring out how to create websites and learned how to code websites and create like, you know, custom WordPress sites. And I launched my blog like the next week and, and it took off right away. So just channeling my energy into something new. When I, when I got rejected from MTV, I went and got my MBA. That set me up for a really nice corporate career. And that's the key. It's to focus on something else, to stay busy, to be productive, and to realize that your failures are a good sign. Because, you know, it, the more opportunities you get, the more opportunities you have to fail. And so when you fail, that actually means that you got an opportunity that many people would have been too scared to even get that opportunity to begin with. Yes. Wow. I love that. Okay. Now you have a huge audience, 4 million downloads. You've, you've interviewed some really, really cool people, as you mentioned. But I'm sure that it wasn't, it didn't start out like that. No. <laughs> so can you take us all the way back to that point? And can you talk us through some of the strategies that you actually credit for the growth of your podcast from the point you started to now? Yeah. Okay. So when I first started, I decided that I was going to promote my podcast on LinkedIn. And I specifically decided to focus on one channel and not spread myself thin by going on Instagram and Twitter and all these other sites. I decided that the people who would like to listen to Young and Profiting podcasts are going to be young professionals in corporate or young entrepreneurs. Those people are mostly on LinkedIn. And I did some testing when I first put out content People on Instagram liked my clothes and my makeup and that kind of thing. And people on LinkedIn cared about my brain and what I had to say. And so I really focused on LinkedIn for that point. So I was consistent every single day. 
I posted every single day and I made it part of my routine. So I used to have to commute from Brooklyn into the city to my job at Disney streaming services. And I would write my post every morning on the train and I would do my engagement every day on the way back from work. And that was my routine every single day. And I made it a point to be like, your one job on the train is to get out your post, right? And and that is important, the consistency. So that's something that I did want to like kind of put a light on. And um, I also just leveraged the DM. So one of the first things that I did was I just DM'd every single follower that I had. So I started with like 2,000 followers today. I'm one of the most popular influencers on LinkedIn. I have 160,000 followers, very engaged community. And so I just messaged everyone, hey, like, what's up? It's Hala. Like, you know, we met each other XYZ ago. Now I have a podcast. Here's the link. I'd love for you to listen. And because I had all this experience, my first episode was great. And it took me months to put out my first three episodes. They were masterpieces. People still love them. And most people are embarrassed of their first episode, but mine got people hooked and people were really excited. And I got very good reception from my episodes. And so I would just copy and paste, copy and paste DMs. By episode two, I got a message from who's now my business partner, Timothy Tan, my first volunteer for the show. And he basically was like, are you copying and pasting these messages? Because you could be automating this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so he taught me all about LinkedIn automation. And he became my business partner. And you know now he owns 10% of Yap Media. And he taught me how to do automation. Then I started to do it at scale. So what I did was target Gary V's followers. And I thought, that Gary V had a very lookalike audience, meaning that anybody who would like his stuff, his podcast, he talks about marketing, they're going to like my stuff too. So I messaged people who liked and commented on his post through automation. And I said, hey, what's up? My name is Hala. I noticed you engage on Gary V's content. If you like his stuff, you're going to love mine too. Let's connect. Then nine out of 10 people would connect. I acquired like 10,000 of his fans. Then I was always the top comment on his stuff with 100 likes and got even more visibility because he I was always like that girl on Gary V's post. <laughs> and then I did it with Tony Robbins and Lewis Howes and like the, the next one after the next one. And all of a sudden I started going viral and I didn't need to really do that anymore. And I've used those same strategies to grow other people on LinkedIn as well now that I have a social media agency. So that's some of the ways that I grew, you know, as a LinkedIn influencer. And then I actually leveraged that influence to get featured in podcast apps. And that's how I blew up my podcast. Wow. Okay. That was, <laughs> that was ingenious. How did, okay. So, it, okay. Step, stepping back. So for someone who maybe isn't as familiar with LinkedIn, like in terms of content, is there a difference between the content that you would put on Instagram, Facebook, other places and LinkedIn? And what what is the difference between that content? And why is it so important to be as consistent as you were? Yeah. So content definitely varies on platforms. So like the size of your images, what type of content, videos, pictures, text only, what actually works on that platform. And so whatever platform that you're using, you want to study the platform. You want to learn all of its features, right? You want to really explore the different things and understand what the app is actually pushing because a lot of these apps, they're pushing certain features. So on LinkedIn for a while, they were pushing polls but they're no longer doing that. And so we don't post polls anymore because they're not working. Now on LinkedIn, like big portrait photos work. So I call them poster size. It's I think three like by five is like the dimension. And if you look on my page, you'll see that like most of our pictures are always in this portrait size because the bigger the real estate, the better it's going to perform on LinkedIn. And a static picture performs better than a video, performs better than a slider. Just a short, catchy caption and a static 
uh, graphic works the best on LinkedIn. Now we've seen our our most popular posts this year at Yap Media got a hundred thousand likes likes and eight million views on LinkedIn, wow. and that was actually a text post. And so we are testing text posts now because we're like, why did this get a hundred thousand likes and eight million views? And so sometimes things change, and you need to try to see like, well, is this a trend? Is this just a fluke? Should we lean into this? And and that's how you got to go about it. Wow. Okay. All right. So you started on LinkedIn and then you mentioned that you did blow up on podcast players. And there was another hidden strategy that you used to grow your show um, on podcast players. Can you talk us through what it is and how you discovered actually advertising on podcast players? Yeah, it's it's a really cute story. So I started growing my influence on LinkedIn uh, two years ago, let's say I had like 60,000 followers. And that was a big deal at that time. Like the bigger, biggest influencers had 60, 70,000 followers, like 100,000 followers was like so much on LinkedIn, right? And so I was getting some notoriety at a little clout. And I started doing some research. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, how can I leverage my following and cross promote with other podcasts, anything? And And I'm talking about anything. So I cross promoted with good pods, which is like a podcast rating. I worked with Podbean, my hosting provider and, and tried to get like cross promo with them. I worked with Audrey and they wrote a blog and, uh, just all the, anything podcast related, I'd shoot them an email. Hey, what's up on the biggest podcaster on LinkedIn now? Um, they, you know, I, I wasn't called the podcast princess yet. I was about to say that, but I, that wasn't my name yet. So I was like, I'm one of the biggest podcasters on LinkedIn now. And, you know, I'd love to promote you on LinkedIn in exchange for you writing a blog in exchange for you featuring me in your app, featuring me on your website. And so I did that constantly. And I would just always be looking for new podcast brands that I could reach out to and become this like podcast influencer within this niche. And it worked. People always said yes, because I really did have something unique. There wasn't a lot of podcasters on LinkedIn. And so I had that community. It was engaged. And so I actually looked up CastBox at one point. And I saw that they were looking for Twitter influencers. And that was, they had a whole website about how they're looking for Twitter influencers. And so I emailed them and I was like, hey, what's up? I'm Hala. I'm not a Twitter influencer, but I'm on LinkedIn and I'd love to collaborate. So they said yes. And they started promoting me to their international community every month. And I would do like a review solicit and I and they were really happy with my results. And so they literally sponsored me for like, five or six months and my podcast just took off. Like I, and they loved it too because the listeners stayed and retained on their app. So they thought it was like a fruitful collaboration. And uh, the lady's name is Valentina at CastBox. Now she's one of my closest friends. And she like, I always, I told her the other day, I was like, you like made me a podcast superstar because you believed in me and featured me in your app. Then I started doing the same thing with Player FM, with Podbean, with Podcast Republic. All these different apps started to feature me. Stitcher featured me. And um, my podcast just took off. I had really stagnant growth for a long time. I was way bigger than I seemed. Uh, in fact, I always feel like I, I'm way bigger than I seem. I'm always punching above my weight. And uh, I went from getting 3,000 downloads a month to 10,000 downloads an episode to 500,000 downloads a month. And, you know... Now it's crazy. I can't, sometimes I, I, it's still growing really fast. So it's just wow. been an amazing ride. That's amazing. And do you think uh, in, cause how long ago would that have been? Do you think? So the cast box thing was started two years ago and now okay. I have 235,000 subscribers on Castbox. Wow. So it just blew up. And do you think that same strategy could work for others if they were like listening to you and like, I'm going to do what she did. Do you think that 
could work again. So the lesson that you want to take from this is to think outside the box. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I know I, I want visibility and I have something to leverage. So the lesson is grow something that you can leverage, whatever that is, grow a social platform, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, a community, a text community, an email list, anything that you can leverage Take that and trade that with other people who can also share your message to their audience. Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb, and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami, and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals, and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room, even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, There's one name that always stands out, Shopify. (laughs) Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage, and even the did we just hit a million orders stage. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. 
And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's the lesson because it's not that you can necessarily do this anymore. Now I do media buying as a profession and I actually took all these relationships from the people who sponsored me and I sell these opportunities to my clients because they're actually very expensive to do, or not very expensive, but they cost money. So it's like a typical run will cost anywhere from seven, from like $4,000 to $10,000. And you usually have to do it every month if you're gonna do it, right? And so usually it's networks like Wondery and iHeart who are buying these opportunities for their original content podcast. So for the average podcaster, it's out of their league. It was out of my league when I was a podcaster. It's only because I was innovative and found this little loophole before everybody else did, right? And it is, it's because I knocked on so many doors before I found that opportunity. I was stagnant for a long time, but I kept trying and trying and trying until I found something that worked. I love that. That is such a great lesson and so, yeah. so applicable for everyone watching this. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, Hala, if, if people want to learn more about what it is that you do and about Yap Media, how can they do that? Yeah. So the best where the best place to go is yapmedia.io. And we've got all our services there. I also launched a new podcast network. So if you get over 10,000 downloads a week, come talk to me. We have a new podcast network that is absolutely crushing already. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So what I wanted Hala to share with us in this video was really just go through and deep dive in her strategy. Like what did she do almost step-by-step to use LinkedIn to grow her podcast. So Hala, over to you, please share with us everything that you can. Yeah, sure. So why don't we split it up in a couple different things? First, let's talk about frequency. So LinkedIn is the type of platform where you want to post at least five times a week, if not every single day. And I would say post in the morning. So anywhere between nine and 12, that way people can engage on your content all day. So that's frequency, post every single day, be consistent. Once you start, just make sure that you post every single day, even if it does bad. If it does bad, just delete it. That's it, right? It's not a big deal. Nobody's going to notice, okay? Yeah. So that's first things first, consistency. Now let's talk about captions. So LinkedIn likes broetry style. So broetry style means that it's this line by line content. You guys, if you follow me on LinkedIn, just search for my name, it's Halataha. You'll see that all my posts are this line by line content. People do not like chunky paragraphs. People do not like to read when they're scrolling on mobile. Reading chunky paragraphs is just really hard. And your sentences will look like paragraphs. So just think about just doing a couple lines. Um, you also want to start with a hook. So something that really entices them. Um, and you also want to end with a call to action and you want to make sure that your posts have meaning, right? And they provide value. So stay away from promotional content for a long time. You don't want to sell to your audience too quickly. You want to be of service. So make sure that you're educational, inspirational, motivational. Those are the types of things that you want to post if you want to get traction on LinkedIn and any other platform. Now, the best and highest engagement on LinkedIn, like likes, comments, shares, the most valuable engagement is a share, right? So the more that your posts get shared, the more likely it's going to go viral. So you want to optimize everything for shareability. So whenever you're posting something, you want to think, would somebody share this? Would I share this? So if there's a picture of you on it 
and you're dressed inappropriately, no one's going to share it. Mm. If there's a picture of you and you're smiling and you look professional and and people are going to share it, right? And people love faces. So big smiles, big eyes, white teeth. That's really important. The bigger the face, the better it will perform. Okay. So I know I'm spitting out a lot. I just know a lot about LinkedIn. Um, uh, The other thing is content type. So the bigger the asset, the bigger the piece of real estate, whether that's video or graphic, the better it's going to perform. You want to stop the scroll. Also, the brighter, the better. So be different, stand out, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. People are sharing external links and it's really boring a lot of the times. So the more that you stand out, the brighter the colors, the more even controversial, the better. Uh, Again, faces. If you have a video, put a thumbnail that has a face on it. It will perform a lot better. If you have a picture, make the face as big as possible. One face, I think, is better than many faces. And that's really key. So if you notice a lot of my posts and a lot of my clients, it's just portrait photos. And that does the best Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn with something that's educational, motivational, inspirational in the caption. Uh, The other kind of hacks that you want to think about is don't post external links, especially in the caption. So most platforms, they don't want you to go to another website. They want you to stay on platform. So if you point to an external website, they're going to deprioritize your post. So you can put the link in the comments or you can retarget anybody who liked or commented in the DMs with your link. That will be a lot better. Clicks happen in the DMs. They don't happen on the actual content. I love that. Wow. Okay. So in terms of, you know, you mentioned hook in the caption, do you put any text on the images or videos that you, you post as like, do you put any text hooks, I guess? Yeah. So the thumbnail definitely should have a very few amount of words, but something that's going to hook them in, maybe a question, maybe something that sparks curiosity, right? Um, And then captions are great, especially if you want to be accessible. Um, Captions are always a good thing. So definitely important. I would say what's more important is your caption, making it short, sweet, uh, catchy, and meaningful, and making sure that your asset has content that's just, you know, interesting and people actually want to watch. Now, what I will say is videos on LinkedIn in general don't perform that well. uh, But something that people don't realize is that their impressions are counted differently. So on LinkedIn, a video view is when somebody watches your video for three seconds, whereas a view on a graphic is somebody just scrolls by. And so it's a lot harder to get video views. So you can basically like times it by four or so to know how many people actually saw your post. Um, and it's it's hard because people think like videos don't work at all on LinkedIn, but really it's just counted a little bit differently. And you have to realize that like it will always seem like videos perform way worse. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so you talked about the frequency of posting every day. What was your content strategy as in, in terms of, you know, we talk a lot about content pillars and wait, did you have a content strategy when you were posting on LinkedIn around that? I mean, it's changed so many times, you know, but like, I, I think I would have, you know, maybe three posts a week were more like motivational, inspirational, personal stories. Like if something happened to me at work or on the train, I would kind of like share more personal things that would connect me with my audience. And so they'd felt like they knew me as a person. And then two days a week, I would promote my new episode. And so putting out micro content. 
And here's a tip since everybody's a podcaster. If anybody's liking or commenting on your podcast episode, they're raising their hand and they're saying, hey, like I would be interested to check out the full episode. That's your opportunity to then DM them and be like, hey, I noticed you liked my micro clip. If you want to catch the full episode, here's the link. And that's how I got a lot of subscribers. So I'd retarget people who liked and commented on my micro content videos, which were about like three minutes long, and then would encourage them to listen to the full episode. Love that. So much, so much gold there. Okay, cool. So that was frequency. What's the next, what was the next part? Well, we went over frequency. We went over content, uh, captions. We went over asset types because I I mentioned graphics are performing well. Again, polls are not working well on LinkedIn. So stay away from them. Sliders aren't really working well on LinkedIn. It's really those big static posts, text only posts have a little bit of momentum right now and videos. So those are the three things that you should pay attention to. The more shareable, the better. Again, the more shares, the more likely you're going to go viral. Even a ton of comments because people can kind of fudge comments now. LinkedIn doesn't really care that much about comments. So you could get hundreds and thousands of comments and not go viral. It's all about the shares, okay? Uh, The next thing I'm going to talk about is publishing strategies. So people don't realize that publishing is just as important as the actual content. And what I mean by publishing strategies is the way that you engage and get other people to engage on your content. So one of the first things that I did when I first started gaining influence on LinkedIn is I decided to team up with my competition. And I was like, who is an upcoming podcaster that's coming from my neck right now? It was like Mark Metry at the time, Quentin alums, like Jordan Paris. It was like all these, these guys that were bubbling up and also podcasting or doing similar things. And I said, let's join a WhatsApp group. Let's have a monthly mastermind call. Let's change exchange strategies since we're both doing LinkedIn and podcasts and let's support each other's links. And so I got all these podcasters in a WhatsApp group and I just had some simple rules. I was like, listen, if you post something today and you post a link, you got to share on everyone else's link. And I looked it up in LinkedIn's terms of service and it's not against their TOS. It's not against terms of service to have an engagement pod. So I encourage everyone to start your own engagement pod because you want people to like and comment within the first 30 minutes of your post. So I got all these other influencers to do that. Their audience was very similar to mine. Their audience started to see my stuff. It made me even bigger, made me even go more viral. So Start your own engagement pod. Make sure people are liking and commenting within the first 30 minutes of you putting up a post. If you have a team, have the team like and comment. If you have a family that will support you, have your family like and comment. It really does help and it helps kind of boost your visibility in the feed. So publishing strategies are important. The other thing is like the timing, pay attention to your timing. Um, and then also responding to your comments. There's, there's a trick though. You don't want to respond to every comment. There's some psychological things going on in the comments. If you respond to every single comment, people are going to find it and be like, they're going to think, oh, she is like on it right now. And I'm like too embarrassed to comment because she's like actually reading her comments right now. That's one reason why you don't want to respond to all the comments. The next reason why is because people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I think the conversation is over because everything's responded to. And they they'll like so like you want to leave like the last like five ten comments unanswered at all times because then people will keep commenting we'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors i want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture at yap media we have a super unique company culture we are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name scrappy hustlers we're all scrappy hustlers at yap media And my team is growing fast. 
And hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are going to roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out The Economist Education course Business Writing and Storytelling. It's packed with valuable practical advice on how to inform and persuade through writing reports, social media, presentations, and beyond. The best part, these courses are online, flexible, and self-paced, lasting anywhere from two to six weeks. You're guided by expert tutors. You'll dive into a mix of videos, podcasts, texts, quizzes, and weekly assignments. Plus, you'll get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. Economist Education provides access to online forums where you can network with peers around the globe. In a world where knowledge is power, Economist Education empowers you to lead the way. Economist Education is an incredible way to stay ahead in business. And I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course only available by going to my special URL, education.economist.com profiting, and then enter the promo code profiting at registration. This offer ends on March 31st, so don't wait. For 15% off, go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting. Again, this ends on March 31st. If you want 15% off, you've got to go to education.economist.com slash profiting and use promo code profiting at registration. Young and profiters, I actually have a nasty habit of ordering way too many groceries. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I've wasted so much food in the past and I felt really guilty about it, but now my conscience is clear with HelloFresh. Each week, I get ingredients shipped to me with step-by-step recipes. I get fresh, pre-measured ingredients that get me whipping up delicious dinners in no time. And then I reduce waste because you get exactly what you need and nothing else. I love trying new foods and HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-ons to choose from every single week. It's so much fun to pick out my meals. 
it's easier than ever to find something that everybody in your family will enjoy. I personally like to stick with the basics when it comes to HelloFresh. I get their meat and veggies plan. I love the options they have for that. And trust me, it's cheaper than takeout. And with pre-proportioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. And now Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh, which gives me an even wider variety of meals to choose from. There's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and you can enjoy both brands at a discount with me now. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Profiting Free and use code Profiting Free for free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Profiting Free with code Profiting Free. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Hashtags don't work that well on LinkedIn. You want to keep it to like three. Um, You also don't want to overdo it with uh, very popular hashtags because actually more people will see your post, but less people will engage. Your engagement rate will go down and you actually won't get boosted in the feed. So you want to kind of own a hashtag. So for example, I use the same three hashtags. Two of them are branded. One of them is one that I'm owning and that's podcast. So I, I basically own the podcast hashtag on LinkedIn. I do it for every single post. And then I have Yap which is my brand and Young and Profiting, which is which is my podcast. So uh, a couple branded hashtags, maybe one that you try to own and you always use is another is another tactic. So, so awesome. Okay. Um, and then talk us through your whole DM strategy, because this was another way that you really blew up. Uh, and I, the, you shared one way with, with us, which is as people are commenting, liking, hey, DM them and go like, I saw that you did that. Do you want to listen to the podcast episode? What, how else did you use DMing on LinkedIn? There's so many different ways to use a lot of the different features. So I'll just talk about some of the things that people aren't realizing. And the other thing I'll say is that automation is against terms of service. And so I did it when I was first coming out, but I would not recommend that anybody do automation. Now you've got to do everything manually. You can get a VA or something like that, but you have to be careful because you can't log in from a different country or a different city. It's it's pretty technical. So what I would say is if you want to get into this, you've got to really know what you're doing and don't just do it without really studying about it and understanding that you have to be logged in from like the same city. You have to stay under a certain amount of actions so you don't get flagged. And so automation is against terms of service. I do not recommend it. It's something I did early in my career before I even knew that it was against LinkedIn terms of service. Okay. So just calling that out. Got it. Now, in terms of like just general things that you should be aware of, uh, number one is that LinkedIn is full of dead connections. So one of the things that you want to do is you want to optimize for active connections. And what that means is people who have logged on to LinkedIn for the past six months and people who actively engage, meaning they like, share, and they comment on posts. Those are the people that you want to invite to your network because the last thing that you want is somebody who doesn't engage because then your engagement rate is always going to be down. Mm -hmm. So I run a social media agency for celebrities and influencers and things like that. And we always get different types of clients. Sometimes people have no following, which is the easiest thing to grow and like get a really active channel that goes viral because you don't have any dead connections. 
Some people have like 30,000 connections. They used LinkedIn from 10 years ago. They added people left and right. And those people aren't on the platform anymore. You need to go in there. You can get access to something like Sales Navigator, which is a, a, a software from LinkedIn. You can see who's been inactive for six months or more. You can see who's in India or who's in countries that you don't care for, you don't sell to. And you can start to unfollow people who don't belong in your network. And that's going to be really key if you want to go viral because you need a high engagement rate. Mm -hmm. So that's a key tactic that some people don't realize is that you actually need to unfollow people so that you can get a better head start, especially if you already have a lot of connections. If you don't have a lot of connections right now, it's it's a non-issue. You can just focus on active connections. Now, where do you find the active connections? It's not just looking at follower lists. It's looking at who liked and commented on recent posts of people who speak about the topics that you speak about. Mm -hmm. And so think about your niche come up with a list of lookalike profiles. So for me, it's like Lewis Howes, Jay Shetty, Jordan Harbinger, Gary Vee, right? Those are the people that I targeted. Who is liking and commenting on those posts? Send those people an invite. Hey, what's up? I noticed you're engaging on this so-and-so's post. That's my favorite podcaster. I'd love to connect. Or, oh, I noticed that you're engaging with so-and-so's post. He actually just came on my podcast. I'd love to connect. Like then send a DM after they accept and say, hey, thank you so much for liking my stuff. If you want to listen to my show, here's the link. I'd love to like, you know, provide value on your feed. Can't wait for, you know, to learn more about you and have genuine conversations with people. I really got to know my followers and then they became my super fans. Some of them worked for me, volunteers, and it everything just took off from there. So definitely pay attention to your community. Wow. I love that. Okay. Now I know that you, you've obviously used other organic means to grow your podcast. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah, I think um, there, there's lots of different ways and a lot of them don't cost any money. So one of my favorite tactics is to guest on other shows. So for a period of time, I went on anybody's show who asked. Actually, this month, I'm going on anybody's show who asks. Uh, for a while, I had some criteria. You know, you had to have over 5,000 followers on one platform or, you know. But now I'm just supporting anybody who supports me, JLD style. And guesting on shows is a great way to get new listeners because uh, 50% of people who listen to pod, sorry, 50% of people in America do not listen to podcasts. So when you're posting on social media, you got to remember that you're posting to 50% of people who don't listen to podcasts. And most people don't listen to podcasts frequently, but the people who do listen to podcasts listen to six or seven at a time. And so that means that if you guess on someone's show, they might be interested to go find you and subscribe and listen to your show. And so guesting on other shows is a great tactic and it's a free tactic. You just got to find a swap. Now, in terms of how you actually find those podcasts. So basically what you want to do is you can go to something like Listen Notes mm -hmm. and you can look up your podcast and see, and this is not entirely accurate because I know that they're not that accurate with me, but it's, I think it's accurate enough. Yes. If you go here, you'll see what kind of podcast ranking that you have. And then you can go look up other podcasts and see if they rank similar. If they rank similar, you can use this as a leverage point and say, hey, like we have the same global rank on Listen Notes. Why don't we have a podcast swap? Or you can simply tell them, hey, I get a thousand downloads an episode. How many, how many downloads do you get per episode? If it's around the same, uh, you know, range, we have a similar audience. Let's have a podcast swap, right? Now, the other thing that you can do is a commercial impression swap. So basically what that means, and I did this with Jordan Harbinger. So Jordan Harbinger's show is like 
five to eight times my size at any given moment, right? So it shows much bigger than mine. So when he became my mentor, we had an impression swap where I did eight commercials for his every one to promote my podcast. And we did an impression commercial swap. So that's a very creative way to get a commercial on a really big podcast. So if you get 10,000 downloads an episode and somebody gets 50,000 downloads, you're going to do five commercials for their every one and you'll do an even impression swap. So that's a key thing. A lot of big podcasters do that. A lot of people don't really know about it. And it's something that up up and coming podcasters can kind of replicate. Wow. Okay. This has been so, so cool. Thank you so much, Hala. This is just invaluable information that you're sharing with our audience. So if people uh, want to know more about what it is that you're doing about Yap Media uh, and maybe even like what level do they need to be at to even have a conversation with you? (laughs) Can you share with us all of those details? Yeah. First of all, I think the number one way to thank me would be to listen to Young and Profiting Podcast. I just put out an episode with Wim Hof today. It's an amazing conversation. I'd love for you guys to go listen to my episode with Wim Hof. Then drop me a review on Apple Podcasts since I'm still actually growing my Apple Podcasts and trying to. So (laughs) please drop me a, a review on Apple Podcasts if you found value from this session, that would be the number one way to thank me and to subscribe to the show, listen to Young and Profiting Podcast. I interview the brightest minds in the world. We unpack their wisdom for actionable advice. And then my company, Yap Media. So it's for CEOs, influencers, celebrities. Uh, it has a pretty high monthly retainer. So if you are you know, doing really well and you want to ramp up your personal brand or blow up your company, hit me up yapmedia.io. And if you're an up and coming podcaster and you have any questions for me, I have a text community. You can join that by texting yap to 28046. And that's how you can ask any question that you have for me. So I'd love for you guys to join my text community. And uh, if you want to find out more about me or the show, just go to youngandprofiting.com.